This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hi, I'm Taryn Winterbrill, host of Bestseller TV on C-Suite Radio. On this show, I sit down with leading business authors to find out what makes their books stand out from the crowd. With thousands of new business books and titles being published each year, we try to make it just a little bit easier for you to decide which ones are worth the read. Thanks for listening. This podcast is part of the C-Suite Radio Network, turning the volume up on business. Welcome to Bestseller TV. I'm Taryn Winter-Brill. We're here with Larry Vaughn. He is the author of Business Cards and Shoe Leather, How Dyslexia Helped Me Found One of the World's Premier Business Cooperatives. It's great to have you with us, Larry. Thank you. I'm just tickled to be here. All the way from Texas. All the way from Texas, yes, ma'am. We should say. Uh, Your first book. Yes. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Quite an accomplishment. I give you, you know, mad props, as they say, because the title really grabs you. I get a lot of books in the mail from the show, Business Cards and Shoe Leather. I had no idea to what that referred. Can you tell us? I surely can. be happy to. No, when uh, the sales guys, they would always, always ask me, it says, how in the world do you sell so much print? I said, all you need is business cards and shoe leather. If you've got a good business card and you've got a good pair of shoes, you just go out and you just hit the streets and start selling. That's so that's great. always stuck with me. That's great. Did, was that going to be the title the entire time or were you thinking about some other things? We were thinking about, you know, different things that kind of go through it, but we really didn't have a title until the end. And then all of a sudden we said, well, it's got to be business cards and shoe leather. It's great. It really piques your interest you. and it piqued mine. Um, how would you describe the book? This is a, a personal memoir, would you say? Yes, it sure okay. is. What made you want to write about such a, a personal topic? I mean, dyslexia is, is something that some people mm-hmm. might not want to share with the world. Well, And that's the problem. You know, more people do need to share with the world of, of their issues and of problems that they might have, you know, because everybody seems to struggle with something. But sometimes your your worst struggles that you have can still be your biggest successes. And so that's when I thought, well, one of these days I'm going to talk to everybody, you know, through a book about uh, being dyslexic mm-hmm. and then what all I've done to get to this point while I was dyslexic. So would you say that dyslexia, to use your words, as a struggle has sort of been one of your biggest successes in a way, in oh, a very much capacity? So. Very much so. And being dyslexic pretty much caused me to always be a storyteller. Because I would make up stories, you know, as I was as I was going. One of the, the things that I always remember growing up, you know, we would have funny books, but you know, they're called comic books right. nowadays, you know. Funny books. And then, um, so then we'd have a funny book. Well, then I would look at the book, and of course, I really couldn't read the words, so I would look at all the pictures. Mm-hmm. Well, then I would make up my own story. Well, I pick it up the next day, I can make up a new story. So it was always uh, it was always fun. So tell us about the process of writing a book when you have dyslexia. Is it something for people not familiar with it? Is it something that you have your entire life or not so much? Yeah, you pretty much have your uh, yeah you do have it your entire life, but you continually you know try to improve you know and and find tools to help you. Just like you're saying you know you know what caused you to write it. Well, what caused me to write it was pretty much you know uh, spell check and Siri <laughs> because I was able to talk to my iPad because I sat on the back porch and then that's where. I would get my thoughts together and think about my story 
always think about my familyhood, uh, think about me growing up, and um, so I could talk to it. So voice to text. Voice to text. That's incredible. Yeah. Just, I wonder, 10 years ago, you wouldn't have written this book then, right? No. Wow. I wouldn't have because I didn't have the tools at that time. Which is such a shame because this is such a great story, and to think if voice to text technology, mm-hmm. you know, hadn't been, it was never invented, so to speak, you would never be telling your story. I never would have told that story. Yeah. Now, you know, once I got started, you know, on the book, I knew that at some point I was going to have to have a ghostwriter to help me with it. And I interviewed a couple of ghostwriters and then I found one, uh, Ruby Peru, and I got to talking to her and we hit it off and she and I became uh, best buds. And then I sent her what I had about the book that I had, had written. Uh, of course, it was far not enough to, you know, make up a 208 page book. So Ruby and I, we talked by phone. She recorded all of our conversations. She made uh, notes and um, she would send me information and I'd respond, you know, back to it. So that's how the biggest bulk of the content of the book came about is from the stories that I told her. Right. And before we started filming, you mentioned that your family had no idea you were writing this. Had absolutely no idea. And I I asked you, what did you, what did they think you were doing all this time? Setting out on the back porch with the dog. Right. You know, I live in a a beautiful home, you know, sitting outside and looking out across the lake. And so it wasn't unusual for me to be sitting outside on the back porch, but I'd always have my iPad with me and they'd ask me, I said, I'm just, you know, answering emails or I'm researching (laughs) something. So um, yeah, for two years, they had no idea until this past Christmas. And then I, uh, gave all my family a book for Christmas and it was the very last present. And then they opened it up and, and, uh, of course my wife, you know, she looked at it and she says, you wrote a book. And I said, yes, ma'am, I did. And so, That's amazing. so she was thumbing through the book and she says, well, what, what else you been hiding from? <laughs> <laughs> was there anything else we should know yeah, about? You know. Right, right. Maybe book number two. Um, so let's dive into a little bit of the business side of things. Yeah. Um, you are so personal in this book and you talk about your childhood. What made you or what drove you into the business world and cooperatives? And if you don't mind, for anybody out there who doesn't know what a business cooperative is and how it's different from a traditional business. Yeah. No, when we, um, what drove me into the business world, because, you know, growing up, I mean, we were, um, we were not affluent by any means, you know, we were just, you know, pretty pushing the the poor stick, Uh, but we didn't know it, you know, because everybody else was too. But then as I grew up, I got a little bit older, I'll, I'll always remember that there was a man in town named Mr. Sparks, and he had an office supply printing business, and he lived on the nice part of town in, in, in La Herta, and I always said, well, one day I'm going to be a printer, you know, on there. And so that's how the printing idea uh, uh, came about. So Mr. Sparks, that sparked... Through Mr. Sparks. It's a good play on that. Um, but once once I got you know involved into it and started seeing the, the transition of uh, print going from analog, you know, going over to uh, digital. Well, I knew that we needed a cooperative to where everybody could learn, everybody could share, um, where we could all benefit from each other uh, because it was an open environment. Um, that we could all talk and not feel like we were competitors because we weren't competitors at that point. I'll never forget. I was at a um, at, at a luncheon and I was you know holding the luncheon and I had twelve guys there and I looked over to one of them. I said, "Okay, I want you to share an idea." So every all the other eleven guys will have an idea. He said, Larry, I don't know if I feel comfortable about, you know, sharing my ideas mm-hmm. because, you know, it, it put me at a disadvantage because right. it was beneficial to me. And I told him his name was Bob. And I said, well, Bob, let me tell you something. You're going to give one idea and you're going to get 11 back. I said, to me, that's a pretty good, pretty good trade off. 
But through that cooperative that I helped start through HP, well, we went from 175 members on the very first year. Now we have, 14 years later, we have over 45,000 members and we're worldwide. Wow. We are the largest digital uh, cooperative uh, in, in the world. C-Suite Radio. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Tell us about sort of the genesis of your career. You have dyslexia. Is that an, an impediment to your success? Clearly not. But, you know, for those out there who you know, your story resonates with them, you know, how did, how, did, how did you sort of benefit from the struggles you went through? Well, I always knew that I would not be able to do this by myself. I had enough savvy to go out and hire people and, and build those people around me. And, and they always said, Larry, how does your shop run so well? Yeah. And I says, because I don't manage them, they manage me. And so I had employees in, in key places that would always tell me what's going on within the shop. And then they would ask my opinion of, of how things, and of course, I always had the final say, you know, there's no question about that. But pretty much my employees ran the shop and I had 140 employees. So what did you learn from them if they managed you? Uh, to listen to them, okay. <laughs> especially my admin. She always told me to listen to her for sure. Uh huh. But did they know, I mean, I'm, I'm asking a personal question. Did, did the people that work for you, for you, did they know that you had a learning disability? Not really. It was just always kind of joke, you know, you know, well, Larry, you know, can't read his handwriting and he can't spell. And it was just kind of a, a running joke, you know, through the shop. But no, they didn't know it was to this magnitude until I wrote the book. Okay. So uh, tell me, so you have dyslexia and did you ever think, I mean, it's just an interesting story because dyslexia, we know you, you struggle with words and reading and then you go into the print business, which is all is about words. Wild? Yes. So it is, uh, it's, it seems like it's meant to be. And were you, I mean, were you surprised that Mr. Sparks got you into this? Because I'm just thinking personally, I would probably steer clear of anything related to the written language, language in general, when you're dealing with such a, a personal struggle like that. Well, and, and that is true. But let's get, you know, one thing I said, I'm a sales guy. And that's all I did was sales. You know, I really didn't run the business. I didn't have any uh, really any daily operations of of that took, you know, that skill or reading contracts because I had somebody that would read the contracts for me, uh, you know, on that. So that's where, um, you know, things really turned for the best is when I realized that I'm just a sales guy. Right. You know, and, and I became, you know, I'll brag on myself, I became a very good sales salesman right. because I'm a storyteller. Correct. You right. Know, so those customers always look forward to me telling the story. Tell us about your sales background. What did you sell in the beginning when you were starting out? Print. 
print. So it was always print. It's it was, always print. It was, it was never, that's so interesting. Yeah, it's always print. And when I, when I first started in the business world, I was a banker, believe it or not, and I ran the bookkeeping department for a nice bank there in Houston. And uh, I had a customer to come in, and he, I could see the checks that he was depositing, you know, that were fairly sizable back then. And he worked for a printing company. And then uh, I reached out to him, and he got me an interview, and I set up with him. And then I went out into the uh, print world at that point, worked for about six months, just, you know, damn near starved to death. But then after that point, I, I understood what was taking place and where my strengths were. And right. so then it happened from there, and then... I started, I started my own printing company. Right. Well, clearly, clearly you're doing something right. And I'm curious, when you're writing this book and you're putting your life story into mm-hmm. print, Larry, who are you writing this for? Who's the target audience? Are you hoping this resonates with someone who is in the same position as you, who might be struggling with a learning disability? Or is this more for someone in the C-suite, a business owner who may just struggle with something, not necessarily dyslexia? All the above, because I've, I've seen so many people are they have struggles with just talking in front of people. You know, I mean, they go into panic panic mode, you know. I've seen people that are just uh, are, are scared to death of their weaknesses. And like I've always said, if you really pull back and you, you look at your weakness, just like I did, well, that can become your strength, you know, right, right at that point. So once you start realizing that, well, um, you know, th- great things will come. And most of the audience that I try to reach out for, I've, I've always been a, a mentor to several young adults, mm-hmm. and I would see them, you know, struggle with certain issues and certain problems, and I would uh, mentor them and, and help them grow up and help them begin uh, in, the, in the business world. And some of them are very, very successful. I'm very proud of them. So if there's one takeaway, I know it's like asking you who your favorite child is, but if there's, if there's one super important takeaway from the content of this book, what do you think it is? Just like what I said a while ago, start realizing what your weaknesses are because they will become your strongest strength. Right. And too many people try to just push away push the weakness away. and not face push it, it like you did. But I think it's a real testament to your success because you really stared it down. And like you said, without it, maybe you wouldn't be as successful. Is that an accurate statement? That's an accurate statement. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. It surely is. Have, I'm just curious. Have you met other people with dyslexia and what have their journeys been like? Um, a lot of them don't discuss it. You know, I found out more and more, but now that I've written this book, more and more people are coming out and says, I am also dyslexic. There's a dialogue. Yes, there's a dialogue. And I've got a brother that, you know, I've got a a sister that's, that's dyslexic. Got a good customer of mine. It was crazy. He and I were sitting at lunch and, and, um, we were, we were talking and I said, well, how's the wife, you know, and everything, the kids. And he said, my wife's devastated. I said, well, why is that? Says, well, they found out my son was dyslexic. And I think he's a young man, about nine, nine years old, I think. I said, Kyle, you have a book to read. I've got one for you. And so when he, when I brought it to him, and it just happened like a few weeks before the book uh, came out, and uh, I showed it to him, he was floored. Wow. He was floored. Wrote him a little note in the back of the book and everything, and, and his wife was just absolutely thrilled. I'm just curious, are there a lot of books out there on dyslexia, or are there very few that combine the business world with dyslexia? There's very few that combine that I have found that combine the business world. There's starting to be more and more information about being dyslexic and dyslexia because there's more podcasts, uh, there's YouTube videos. Right. Um, and there's more books that are coming out, but most of them are geared towards children, you know, which, which is a good thing, you know, to catch, catch it early. Right. But for the poor souls that are still out there that 
you know, they've always struggled. I think this would be a great book for them to, uh, to read. Yeah, no, it's terrific because this combination of your personal struggle with dyslexia, with dyslexia rather, but also how it factored into your success yes. and your Uber success, mm-hmm. if I may. So it's, um, it's a terrific read, but really insightful. Congratulations. It's not easy to write about something so personal. So well no, done. No, it's not. Well, thank you. And well, thank you for being here. Glad, glad to be here. And if you'd like more information on the book, just check out our website, csweetbookclub.com. That's c-sweetbookclub.com. I'm Taryn Winter-Brill. Thanks for watching. We'll see you next time right here on Bestseller TV. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>